Regina Connolly and my delightful co-hosts Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hi, and Bob Shields. Hello, and guys, we promised you a very special episode. Boy, do we have one for you! <laughs> goodness, goodness, we have sent upwards of twenty-four emails planning this very special episode, and it is special because it is a our first holiday episode, and b our first crossover episode, and it is a crossover episode with our good friends from High on Film. So we have Christopher Alabama Maxwell, not his actual name. Hello. We have Chris via satellite, and in the studio, we have, <laughs> and I'm stealing this line, the Brad Davis that God gave us. Yeah. Hello. Lovely to be here. Thanks, Thanks guys, for so being much here. for doing this. I'm very excited. And very, very excited. The movie I didn't actually name, I think. That's correct. But it's the holiday season. You can probably guess we are doing Reindeer Games, the 2000 classic. No. Decidedly <laughs> not. <laughs> All right. Let's do our one sound reviews. Let's get right into it and let's have our guests go first. Uh, do you have a one sound review for Reindeer Games? Uh, my one sound review would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to go... Uh, I, I I don't know. I would... Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> my one sound review is... Oh. Mine is. Uh, 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 oh, oh. And mine is. Uh, Sounds about right. Oh, that's accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> so we were, you were not a fan. No, not so much. Not a, not a big fan. Yeah. I mean, is anyone a fan of this movie? I have. I saw this movie in theaters, and I have seen it now. <laughs> Probably four or five times. I have no excuse for that, though, because it, it is not a good movie. Does it occupy a special place in your heart because you saw it when you were so young? I do remember thinking that the one plot twist in this movie actually kind of got me, right. like tricked me, mm. and that was the one thing I actually kind of thought, oh, that's that was good, but otherwise, <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. It's two hours, and that's one moment. I was just saying the uh, director's cut is 20 minutes more. And Robin, you told me off air that you viewed the director's cut, I think, unlike the rest of us, right? All of Thronathon watched the director's cut. I watched both. This week? Yes. Oh, Robin. (laughs) I know. And I still haven't seen The Last Jedi. Your commitment (laughs) is horrifying. (laughs) They are not very different. Is watching the director's cut a thing for Thronathon? I know you guys did it with that thing you do and maybe another movie that I can't recall. No, it's not on purpose. It's just these are the movies that come to us sometimes. So I bought the director's cut, and then I was like, oh no, it's the director's cut. And then I saw the regular version also on the dollar rack at a different store, and I was like, okay, now I have both. Started watching the regular version, and then Regina was like, oh, we got the director's cut. And I was like, well, I guess I'm watching both. (laughs) And you purchased them? For a dollar. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, Bob and I found ours on a tree, and uh, (laughs) it just happened to be the director's cut edition, and what the the movie tree gives, that's what we take. Pittsburgh is a magical place. Let me just tell you that they're plot-wise identical. Director's cut primarily just has more exposition. Oh, God. So, but honestly, it's helpful. (laughs) Yeah. So, this movie, it's from 2000. John Frankenheimer directed it, once legendary director. It's his last feature film. And it opens in a prison. Uh. (laughs) Listeners, you know what that means. the, The opening is showing dead Santas. Oh, that's true. And then it's six days earlier, in a prison, Ben Affleck and ugly Ben Chapman are 
He looks like Bob Shields. I do. He was in that movie with Janine Garofalo. Yeah, dog. about cats and dogs. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy's handsome. Yes, he's very oh, handsome. Oh, yeah, because I did that thing where I made Bob and I in that movie. Yes, right. Sorry. Okay. Not interesting to other people. <laughs> anyway, our cellmates in prison, Ben Affleck steals cars. His cellmate killed a guy in defense of his girlfriend, a la Nick Cage and Conyer. And they're getting out in two days. Listener, you know what that means. <laughs> and sure enough, there's a prison riot because they serve cockroach-infested gelatin mm-hmm. to Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm. And he gets upset. And then there's a food fight, which becomes a prison riot. Woo! So, guys, it, it, it happened. It's happening. Oh, my gosh. Guys. And this movie would be so much worse <laughs> off without it. So, right. That's the question. Was this movie improved by a prison riot? I have a shocking confession. It was only about an hour in that I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. I, when it happened, did not fly out of my seat as I had predicted. I apologize. (laughs) I flew. And it was all downhill from there. (laughs) Guys, as a fan of the Theranathon podcast, I couldn't be more excited when a prison riot actually broke out. I was... Thrilled to be knowing that I was going to be the guest on the show where there's actually a prison riot. And I recommended this movie because I've seen it, again, five times. Yeah. And I, you knew? And I knew. And I was oh, like, oh my god, this is a Christmas movie with Charlie's Theron and there's a prison riot? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yep. It's Perfect. the first and only prison riot. Or no, second. No, sorry, 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 sorry. Fate and the Furious, which is how this segment came to be. Correct. Here's the thing. I saw this movie in high school. The... Only thing I remember is when they fall through the ice and use a shotgun to get out. That's all I could remember about this movie. Uh, so that happens. In between, the Ben Affleck cellmate gets killed, presumably, in the prison riot. And he's been a pen pal with Charlize Theron. His whole cell's covered in pictures of her. And he's talking about how wonderful she is. So she is waiting for him, Nick, at the gates. And Ben Affleck, Rudy foolishly decides to introduce himself as Nick and then rape her. I don't think he rapes her. She gives her consent conditional on his identity. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. So that's super creepy and weird. And we're just, he says at one point, sorry about your sister. I just got out of prison. Yeah. Like, yeah, who needs consent when you're dry? Like, (laughs) also, it's like an extended boning scene. And I think we're supposed to be like, yeah. Good for him. And the whole right. time I was like, she doesn't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. It's really upsetting. So anyway. <laughs> it's got a really fun tone with people pulling cockroaches out of their mouths and then sexual misconduct. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, she's very consensual in the moment, but she doesn't. But then ultimately, spoiler, she does know. Yes. So, few. Yeah, so I guess no. Few. All right. But I feel like the movie still plays like, whatever fine when I'm like, this is aggressively not fine. Right, like, there's dramatic irony going on where we know more than the characters or so we think, but they're kind of like, nah, but you should just think it's great. Yeah. Good for Ben. She's so hot, right? Anyway. Affleck comes off terror. I mean, he is a thief, but yes, in this situation he comes off like a total scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's a scumbag who talks to himself in mirrors a lot. Yes. And I'm like, if your acting is not good enough that they're like, you know, we're gonna write in a scene where you have to talk yourself out of doing this because you can't possibly portray that what you're doing is morally compromised, you're not a very good actor. So, I personally love-hated that his character's names were Rudy and Nick. Like Rudolph. Oh, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I know you got it. Looking at me like I've got a great uh, secret about this. No, I was looking at you like that because you were like, I don't understand. Like your face made that, and I, I was like, you have to know. God, if you're gonna do that though, you need to call Gary Sinise like Dash, and you need like a prancer. I, you got to go all in if you're gonna be giving us. Two of these names. Gary Sinise's character is named Monster, which is hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, it's also Gabriel. Like, they go back oh, and yeah. forth between that. I don't know why all of a sudden he's called Monster at some point. That's yeah. his truck driving name. Is that really what it is? No, I okay, don't I know if that was in the director. When he goes to so he doesn't he's like, say Monster on his birth certificate. Who <laughs> that's his middle name? Uh, I'm Gabriel Monster Truck Driver. Sorry, I need to insert myself here for a second. I have a second and even more awful shocking confession. Wow. Yes. I was more than halfway through this movie and I was like, that's not Steve Buscemi. What? <laughs> so the whole time I'm watching this movie, I was like, I can't believe I'm watching Steve Buscemi not charm me. I have never seen a Steve Buscemi movie where I wasn't like, he's a fucking wonder to behold. And then I was Googling the cast to look something else up, and I was like, 
oh, it's Lieutenant Dan. It's not Steve Buscemi. I was surprised by how many muscles he had. And then I was like, oh, he's really not good. And I didn't think of Gary Sinise as someone who is a bad actor, but I think he's terrible in this. Yeah, he's back to being full-on messed up Lieutenant Dan. Like, Lieutenant Dan after he lost his legs. That's how he's playing this. Like, he's a horrible, spiteful person. Very over the top. Very over the top. Very unlikable. And he's a monster. Yeah, but it's all, but it's not like the charming unlikable. It's like horrible and hard to watch unlikable. Yeah, yeah. Like if Steve Buscemi were doing this, I think I would have liked the movie a thousand times better. If he, you know, if he were what's his face from Con Air, and I just, I don't know, I'm, I can't apologize enough to Steve Buscemi for this gross oversight of mine. To be fair, they do look alike. Like I can totally see in this role. Never ever would have thought that that was true, but like now I'm like sort of mapping their faces on each other, and I'm like, okay, they're they're both weird face shaped. I think it's just also because Gary Sinise has like long. 90s gross hair. His Winter Soldier hair. I would not insult the Winter Soldier in that way. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) I also can't tell if Chris is weighing in and the connection is bad. I know, right? I feel bad. Are you weighing in or are you just covering? I am am agreeing with everything. I I, I will say it is Winter Soldier hair, unfortunately. Gary Sinise comes into the mix because he is Charlize Theron's, air quotes, brother who knows about her prison boyfriend and knows that he used to work security at a casino, and so he's going to help them rob the casino up in the UP. Ben Affleck immediately says, I'm not actually him, which I was sort of surprised by. I thought yeah. there were going to be some sitcommy nonsense there. I liked that part where he's like, oh, so you're not really him. You're just pretending to be him so you can fuck my sister. And he's like, yeah. And he's like... And you think that's going to help you out? Yeah, I was like, that was the, that was the part that got a genuine chuckle out of me. I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it leads to one of my biggest problems with this movie is the belief Please. or disbelief that Ben Affleck is who or who he doesn't say he is. Yeah, they go back and forth a lot, like constantly. Yeah, and it's terrible. Like, why wouldn't you believe this guy who clearly has everything wrong all the time? And I don't even know why he. I mean, well, I know why he tries to save his own life, but. When he starts lying about Charlize's personal life uh, details, I mean, it's just, I don't know how these guys continually believe him or deal, put up with him. I, I just, I feel like they would have shot Ben Affleck 15 minutes into finding out about all of this. I completely agree. I also don't understand the ultimate twist of they needed the ex-con to give him the confidence to rob a shitty casino when he is a monster enough to cold-bloodedly shoot a stranger on the ice in his ice hut as the man says, but I have a wife and child, and he's like, "Mm, go under the ice. That doesn't seem like a dude who needs a confidence boost to try something new in the crime world. I agree. I do think it makes a little bit of sense. This was one of the scenes that made more sense because of the director's cut. Like, like the director's cut is extra exposition. But the whole thing where Charlize says to him, like, they've never done a robbery before. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You have value to them for that reason alone. Mm. That was like, okay, it's starting to make more sense that... She wants him there, at least. Yeah. With the coming reveal. So, guys, blah, blah, blah. Tons of, I'm him. I'm not him. Ashton Kusher gets beat up. Dennis Farina runs the casino. It is a Native American reservation casino, but Dennis Farina somehow gets to <laughs> he's run the manager. it. He's like their Las Vegas manager. Yeah, and he's stealing money from them, and he's putting it in a powwow safe, which will be important. Chekhov's powwow <laughs> safe. That was definitely their inspiration, was the fine yes. work of Anton Chekhov. Yes! <laughs> At one point, Ben Affleck and Charlize Theron are running away, because she keeps saying, like, I love you, I love you, and he kind of gives up on hating her for, because she thinks, he knows right away, like, oh, you set up my cellmate. But he basically is blinded by her beauty. Well, he also says, like, I listened to your letters, right. too, and I fell in love with you, too, yeah. just listening to your letters, Ugh. which... Okay. Like I, yeah. <laughs> That's we not didn't, what love no, is. No. And we didn't get that at all. And That's like, never like spelled out other than like the fact that he saves her at this point. I right. think we're supposed to get that from the beginning, his creepy dialogue with his supposed friend Nick, where he's like, uh, so I know you're going to meet your girl, but how about I bone her first? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that whole part there. in the beginning was really weird where he was like, what if she's not, what if she's not what she says she is? What if she's this? Blah, what if blah. she's actually dun dun 35? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gary Sinise shoots 
at them while they're running away on an ice-covered lake, and Charlie Theron falls through a perfect circle that the shotgun makes. <laughs> That's how <laughs> and, ice works. Yes. But she, and they've established she has a great fear of drowning, but she loses where the, the entry point was, or it freezes back over. It's unclear which. She, she drifts down. Okay. She jumps in through the same entry. And so they have to shoot through the ice with a shotgun. And that has been emblazoned on my brain for the last <laughs> 17 years. And it was nice to see again. So they go do the robbery. They all wear Santa costumes. Dennis Farina fights back. There are guns in the powwow safe. So everyone is brutally murdered, except for Gary Sinise and Charlize Theron and Ben Affleck. They drive out to... Well, it's also been... I don't know if... It, it's also been revealed that... Oh, Yes. Gary Sinise and Charlize Theron are working together. Right. And that they're actually boyfriend-girlfriend, not brother-sister, which Ben Affleck oversees, like, sees them in a pool. Conveniently. Yeah. Sees them in a pool. That scene's about twice as long in the director's cut. Oh, God, really? And it is helpful. Okay. Because when I saw it the first time, I was like, wait, is this incest? Is that what's happening? That's what I thought, too. I thought it was, and I saw the director's cut, and she says, what would mom and pop think of us now? And then they bone. Yes. I thought it was just straight incest. Then you hear the other guys talking about, okay. like, oh, his girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So then, and then also... It we, turns out to be someone else's girlfriend. Right, yes. So, anyway, but the longer version of the scene helped me a lot, both for being sure it wasn't incest, and B, understanding more about her her ruse with them. Okay. So they do the casino, everybody gets murdered, they go to this cliff side in the Upper Peninsula. Those They don't have those there, I don't think. Right? We've been there. <laughs> you know, the mountainous moraine <laughs> yes. of the Upper Peninsula. So they're at this huge gorge in, uh, in Michigan, and they're going to throw the truck into the ravine. The car. With the car. The car. Yeah, the getaway they're gonna car. run it off of a truck and say the money burned up and Ben Affleck will be their dead body and blah, blah, blah. But they probably should have killed him and put him in the car right. and assumed that the explosion would destroy the evidence. Or he could have just got shot in the robbery and escaped. Yeah. Non-fatally. And right. And crashed. There, there were a lot of ways to do this that weren't put him in the car and hope he doesn't hotwire it they when we know he's a car thief. Really Don't ever put a car thief behind the wheel. That's right. <laughs> Never put a car thief behind the wheel is rule one that we learned at the very end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Charlize murders Gary Sinise, and... What? What? Nick's alive? They don't do a very good job. Uh, that's another thing in Director's Cut. They do a better job of explaining how he survived. Actually, I think, because they say in the in the original cut, they're like, I had a blood capsule. Yeah, right? and he, like, yeah. slashed me across yeah. the ribs, and I just bled a little bit, and then I he and I paid the uh, guard to let everyone okay, know that, that I died. Okay, that was in the original. That's in yeah. the original, All right, too, yeah. sorry. So, but how did he get... To Cliffside, Michigan. Yeah. Well, he said like five days, I thought. Yeah, but did he, where, how did he know that this was like the rendezvous point? Right, and why is he there? Well, because Well, Charlize is playing it though at this point. Her character is playing it like, oh, we're going to get away from here. Because yeah. she slips up and says that, oh, a guy takes a shiv for you and all of a sudden it's fine. And like Ben Affleck's like, I never said a shiv. What, what about yeah. a shiv? And that's when she decides to kill Gary Sinise. Yeah. So then why, how did he... Like, I, th- I thought she was going to wait till Ben Affleck was dead and over the cliff and then turn on Gary Sinise. She was like, mm. I don't want to turn on two people at once, so I'm going to get Ben Affleck dead, then we'll take out Gary Sinise, then they'll have five bodies, and then my actual boyfriend all along, which was Nick, Yeah, and her name is actually Millie. And, and she's the now. girl he con-aired someone for. But then also the mechanics of how did real Nick actually get there, because the... Ben Affleck walks away from the scene. He doesn't like... Right. There's no car for him to arrive in. And still in a Santa costume, carrying a bunch of money. Even right. though they replay her saying there need to be five dead Santas, and he has an additional dead body, his cellmate, doesn't put and doesn't put the on Santa it. costume on it. Also, he then has Christmas dinner with his family in a Santa costume in which he murdered upwards of three people. <laughs> and is like, thanks for the mashed potatoes, ma. Pecan pie. But there's also the really upsetting and pointless scene where he walks down the 15 miles to Sidnaw leaving forensic evidence left correct, and right. Just leaving a chunk of cash money in everyone's mailbox and I think we're supposed to be like, oh he's like Robin Hood! But, okay walk through this with me, please. <laughs> that money is stolen from a Native American casino and then he steals it 
and distributes it through the white suburbs. <laughs> also, I'm kind of like, oh, a neighborhood where everyone gets an, a random amount of cash in their mailbox because he doesn't put the same stacks in everybody's he, mailbox. He actually puts two in one guy's and then it's like, never mind. And then later puts two in the church's yes. one. I was like, that is a town that's going to turn on themselves. <laughs> I've read the lottery. Ooh. Someone's getting fucking stoned in town square after this. Milking it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just where my mind went, but I was like, if I'm the first guy up and I find that stack of money in my mailbox, I am checking other people's mailboxes and going yeah. up and down this block. Yeah. <laughs> Colin said that's going to be one rich mailman. <laughs> also, like, how bad are the cops in this area that they're like, they'll never notice that this person was tied up in the car that went over the gorge and also that all this money has fingerprints on it, but we'll never find who did it. Well, I think that they thought it was going to blow up or whatever, because when okay. trucks fall off cliffs in movies, they always blow up. And they mention like, oh, the money will burn, so some of it will yeah. be there, but they'll assume the rest of it burned up. Okay. Yeah. By the way, the truck does go off a cliff and does blow up, and it's miniature work, not CGI, and it was nice to see. Yeah. It was it nice? I very much was like, oh, look, a simpler time. So this movie is, like, just on the cusp of movies, like, the production value of movies ballooning. Because yeah. Because this seems like it has the production value of, like, Fargo. It's like, it feels like it's from the early 90s, but it's in the year 2000. Like, it is a modern era movie. I think it's fair to say that they wanted this movie to come out in 1999, and it got pushed back. Oh, okay. Still. But still, The Matrix came out in 1999, Yeah, it looks good today. <laughs> yes, you're right. So yeah, I, I, I was confused by that, because I was like, this feels very old. It I does. do want to mention one scene. It's not the worst scene, but it's it's close. There is, and I just bring it up because we have a lot of movies where people have stupid competitions that don't make any sense. This movie has a dart off between a man who's just been pulled out of a frozen lake <laughs> and dart champion, uh, greasy haired Gary Sinise. And I was like, I didn't know if that was worse than the, it was not. I mean, the best of all times is still the drown off. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> hold, your of off. hold your breath off. <laughs> but I just thought it was really weird, and I'm glad that they only did a uh, sad Ben F like just dropping it once and not actually throwing many darts. But what what a weird and pointless, torturous thing for Gary Sneeze to be doing. So wait, is that a, so in the director's cut? Director's director's so Ben Affleck yeah. like, throws darts as well. He's oh. not just having darts thrown at him. Yeah, so before he gets darts thrown into his body, he's like, hey, we'll have a competition where I throw the dart and you throw the dart, and whoever gets closer to the bullseye gets to pick what they want. So if you want to walk out, you can walk out of here. Then Gary Sneeze throws it and wildly misses the dartboard, even though we know he's very good at darts. And then Ben Affleck tries to throw it and drops it, and then he gets darted. And Gary point. Sinise is going to let him go. If Allegedly. He okay. But he, like, cannot throw because he's, like, shivering. frigid, yeah. Okay, wow. That's why he can't throw? Oh, my goodness. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he can't throw because he's cold? Have you fallen in a frozen lake, buddy? I have not, okay. but I'll tell you, when someone's granting my, me my freedom rather than killing me or making me rob a casino, I bet you I can throw a dart across the room. Hey, if a mom can lift a car, you could throw okay. a dart. I hope you never have to find out, Chris. Uh, me too. Thank you, Robin. That's that's very kind of you. So do we have a Charlie Zenith? Anyone? Well, I think we should explain. So High on Film does a segment that's called Best Scene, Worst Scene. And uh, we do a segment called Charlie's Zenith, where we pick the best Charlie's moment. And we're going to sort of combine the two and do the best Charlie's moment, uh, the, the Charlie's Zenith, and the worst scene of the film, the Theronator. Or Theronator is how I've been pronouncing it. Theronator. Yeah. All right. So uh, our guest, would you, do you guys have a Charlie's Zenith for us? I mean, so it has to be a specific scene. A moment of Charlie's performance. I do think that the scene, I, I think what makes... This, I was almost going to say makes this film work. It doesn't work. But the <laughs> best part of this movie and what always got me was the twist of that Charlize is actually working with uh, Gary Sinise. Mm. And I always believed that she wasn't working with Gary Sinise because I feel like she sells, especially when she walks in, I'll say when she walks into the cabin after like Gary Sinise has just shown up mm. and she's like flipping out. Yeah. I bought that, and that always sold it for me that she's not involved because she's a very good actress, and she's yeah. actually able to make you believe this. Yeah. So overall, I would say like it's really her performance is the only thing that's kind of redeeming. But that's what I would go with that scene where she walks into the cabin and Gary Sinise is 
first scene. Yeah. That's also my Charlie's Zenith, specifically when she gets picked up by one of the goons and she <laughs> kicks her legs up like all the way in the air and growls like a freak. I love it. <laughs> she, yeah, she does a really good job of playing hapless, like, but I love you. Let's just do what, blah, 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 blah. Like, she just comes across as being totally, like, slightly dumb and hopeless. Uh, when obviously, obviously she's very sharp and knows what she's doing. Um, I think my Charlie Zenith is actually the scene in the coffee shop when they've just first met. That was gonna be mine. Well, oh well, sorry. No, no, <laughs> I'll come up with another one. But when the whole thing about like when, and they're trying to make small talk and Ben Affleck's like, it must be like ten degrees outside. She's like, oh, the radio said it's negative five, and he's like, well, I don't think it's negative five. They must have meant like something else, and he's like. Well, the radio said like that I whole. I also thought about picking that because <laughs> <laughs> like her like being this is so awkward. I don't know what I was thinking kind of thing, and uh, him trying to be like be, being kind of a jag off about it. Like... Yeah, he's like, oh, that's wind chill. That's yeah. he's, he's mansplaining how cold it is. Yeah, that's also director's cut. Oh. That scene is shorter oh. in the regular one because well, they don't talk about the weather in the short. The director's regular... cut is actually better. <laughs> Sounds like it Marge, for the first time ever. Well, then I will because my Charlie Zenith, so they're supposed to stay in a motel for a week to like celebrate him getting out of prison. And even though they went to an actual Christmas tree store, they come back with a silver sparkle tree made of tinsel, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But she's in the parking lot and she's like, I'm going to go be like, don't bother us and you better only be wearing a candy cane when I get back. <laughs> and she's, uh, that's a dumb line. Yeah. And she manages to be charming when saying it. That's true. I think that was the moment I first realized, oh, this movie's going to have a lot of cliches in it. Because they already had the, only two days till we get out, that stab, stab, stab. Uh, <laughs> and now they've got the, wait, I'll just be in the room in a minute. Oh, there's an ambush in the room. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this is just cliche after cliche after cliche. Uh, we did not allow our second guest to give his Charlie <laughs> sentence before we went all over it. Sorry. What was yours? No, it's quite all right. Actually, it, it flows uh, perfectly after Regina's uh, because in a movie that is filled, like chalk to the brim filled with like cheesy bad action lines that are not pulled off. I think Charlize actually gets to pull hers off. I believe she's talking to Rudy and says, "You want a future? You got to stand up and steal it." <laughs> and now at this point, that's like 3 quarters of the way through and I've had to listen to Ben Affleck like say, "Well, I want some goddamn hot chocolate." And Gary Sinise Literally says, don't play no reindeer games with me. Horrible line. Uh, Horrible line. Oh, dude. And like like we even said earlier, rule one, never put a car thief behind the wheel. I just, I can't get behind any of these except for Charlize's and probably one Dennis Farina one, which is, um, hey, Santa Claus. Welcome to the Tomahawk. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I like that one. It was hard for me to pick a worst scene of the film because I feel like a lot of the moments, the like, here's the titular line, oh. was really painful for its cheesiness and its failure to be delightful in an action movie way. But I think the worst scene for me was the scene on the ice where there's this innocent man just trying to help because he sees someone has fallen through the ice. And then for no reason, Gary Sinise just like, chases him across or like like follows him across the ice and then just shoots him in his little ice fishing hut and it seemed very unnecessary to the plot of the movie like we already knew that Gary Sinise was brutal he threw a bunch of darts into Ben Affleck but that was the only time where I felt genuinely like oh but that's a real person in this movie mm. and it yeah. made me sad um, I think my Theronator actually comes just before your best one Chris the part where she's like explaining her motivations for the robbery be like the small places we come from small towns with small lives mill like, towns yeah i was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like that was just like that came out of nowhere Okay, my Theronator is the scene where it is revealed that she is boning Gary Sinise Ugh. and very specifically the moment where she takes her bikini top off because We've seen a lot of gratuitous Charlie's nudity, and that wins by far the most, like, time for my tits to come out. <laughs> we, and we'd already seen them in the film, yeah. so I feel like they just felt like we wouldn't believe that they were to doing it if she didn't get naked. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on this. This is ridiculously gratuitous. It's, oh, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's it, like, and very unsexy. Yes! Like, she's like, like, it feels like she's taking her top off to get a mammogram. Yes! She's like, well, here we are. Squeeze them. And it's just gross. It's very gross. And then also, especially because I 
was pretty sure that they were actually brother and sister at that point. Yes. Right. Because we live in Game of Thrones era. So yeah. I was like, well, I guess that's a thing people want to see. That That is completely indicative of how I feel about this movie. It would do something like that. Like, they, they start having sex, and I'm like, oh, aren't they brother and sister? And then it reveals that they're not. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a little better. But then ultimately, I'm even more disappointed because it's even leads to an even worse decision or a worse movie. I feel the same thing with the twist at the end. But yeah, this one, and even this this pool scene, though, is even too distracting for the amount of information they're getting out in the dialogue, too. Yeah, the director's <laughs> cut version is better. It's true, though. Is like, it longer in the yeah. director's cut? It's still... Bad. I feel like this movie routinely makes you watch something that, like you said, is more upsetting than what is actually happening. So it's like, it's not actually incest. It's not actually, she does know who he is when they right. have sex. So it's like, why are you making us watch the worst possible iteration and like live <laughs> through it and then be like, no, no, that's not what happened. Like, right. There's no actual reward for having sat through it. Right. Yeah. And to what you were saying, uh, Robin, like for one of the most beautiful women alive, so, like, that scene is there, or was it, maybe you were doing it, but, like, it's not sexy. It's and incredibly unerotic. And the dialogue from, obviously, I'm not working off the director's cut, but the dialogue in that scene is so bad, like, even Charlize can't save it. Oh, that because is Because it's supposed to be, like, like flirty and all this, and it just doesn't come off that way at all, especially, like, Gary Sinise looks so gross and yeah. old and disgusting. That would have been my choice, probably, as well. I will go with, though, just a say something different, uh, the last scene, now when Nick shows up, yeah. and they're having, like, this back and forth, like, yeah, Rudy, we had you all along, and aside <laughs> from how convoluted Nick's whole plan is, of, like, <laughs> I'm gonna go to jail for two years for no reason, and then get, basically have my girlfriend put in harm's way, rather than me. I in- thought that that jail was natural. Yes, I think he had to go to jail for a crime he committed. And while he was in jail, was like, to kill time, let us create an elaborate ruse. Okay. <laughs> but he, it's unclear. I yeah, you're right. Because he, he says, says I always like, wanted to rob that casino. And he always says, and he says too, like, it was worth it to go to jail for two years for that, where it almost seems like it could have been planned that way. But you're right. It's yeah. not real. That's a problem in itself, that we don't even really understand, like, what the plan really was. Yeah. And it's so silly, but... Given that Charlize is there too, just kind of their like back and forth of explaining to Rudy like how this happened, and they're both like so cocky, but it just comes off so forced. Yeah, and obviously the dialogue doesn't help it because it's so all over the place and makes no sense. And then when like he's in the car too, and they're like, "I was at the point where she said I never fucked the wrong guy. You were right. I never <laughs> fucked the wrong guy or whatever." I'm just like, "Oh, this is so stupid." <laughs> So stupid. I feel like it was a last minute reveal of they were actually sociopaths all along. Because it seems like they have to be enjoying telling him. Otherwise they would have just killed him. Right. So they have to be getting something out of it. But I'm like, we just sat through two hours of movies where they're not sociopaths. So it doesn't really, it doesn't make any sense. And it's terrible dialogue. But and, you know, if they didn't just lean on the hood and explain anything to him, he wouldn't have time to cut his way out of his leather cuffs. The classic, again, another cliche of like, oh, the villains explain themselves for too long for no fucking reason. Yeah. And. and, We swear uh, on our podcast. Okay. We like had a moment of like, wait. No, we've got seven (laughs) listeners and they can deal the fuck with it. Yes. (laughs) And they explain their whole plan for no reason. They could have just killed him all along. And of course he gets away because they're, they're too arrogant, I guess. They're, they're tragic flaws. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Although I do think encapsulated in that terrible scene, there is one good line and a potential Charlie Zenith, maybe, where she basically, like, fumbles over saying that he got shivved. She's like, oh, like, you came out of prison... And you fucked your friend's girlfriend, so don't talk to me about greed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was could have been terrible, but that was yeah. like a little silver lining in an otherwise garbage scene. I agree. Yeah. Maxwell? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I mean, I, I kind of covered it with, the, I think, the pool scene. I was kind of with uh, Robin on that. Again, my problem, that she won't believe that he is or isn't Nick. And then I find out that, of course, she knows it's him the whole time. But then again, I'm just like even more disappointed in that twist. Than I was annoyed by the fact that she wouldn't believe him or not. I don't know. It's just the convolution of this is really the worst part of it. Because I feel like there are moments of a good movie that could be in this. Um, I agree. Like, I felt like I was going to be in the minority. I think there could have been a half-decent action movie yeah. within Call- this. Totally. Calling up saying, he's like, this is an interesting plot. I honestly think if the twist about her being 
in on it came sooner. Yeah. It would have been a lot more interesting because it started with, I was like, oh, she's good. Oh, I assume she's in on the plot. Oh, she's not? She's definitely not in the plot? Oh, I guess she's just an an idiot? Like, why does she want to be with this guy at all? She's just an annoying idiot? And then it's like, no, she is evil. And then I was like, okay, well, it's too late for me to care now. And I think it would have been better if Nick is just cut from it. Like, Nick doesn't yeah. come back. Like, that's just the plot yeah. all the time. Yeah. Because there is a... I like the idea of people dressed up as Santa's robbing a casino. Yep. That's a cool <laughs> idea on Christmas Day. That's very cool. Right, an elevator pitch. Right. Yeah. That's right. clearly the elevator pitch for this movie, yeah. <laughs> I might be the only person, but I actually liked the dumb plot twist of Nick coming at the end. Because this entire movie I was watching it, I was like, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And I felt like I could constantly guess what was going to happen. And at some point I was like, oh my god, there's still a half hour left. Like, how could there still be a half hour worth of movie? And I feel like that was the only plot twist where I was like, oh, like, I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it, but it also strained believability too much for me. Right. I don't know. They lost believability at, he shot him with a water pistol full of alcohol and he burst into an inferno of flame. That's not how alcohol works. Thank you, Regina. I'm so glad somebody brought that up because I would have forgot about it. And that scene is absurd. I don't even think happen if you use like straight up lighter fluid. It wouldn't. Uh, so dear listener, what is happening is Ben Affleck is fighting one of the Santa villains and there are two guns. Merlin. I'm sorry about the cat. It's uh, just Jingle Bells, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're fighting and they both pick up two guns and you see that one of them is a water pistol because they wouldn't actually give Ben Affleck a gun and he had previously filled it up with alcohol and was like squirting it into his mouth. And then the, the other villain is like, ah, I have the real gun, but before I shoot you, I'm going to light this cigarette because I know I can kill you. And then as he goes to light it, Ben Affleck, with suddenly perfect aim, shoots a tiny stream of tequila at him, and he goes up like a witch in the Middle Ages. Like, I have never seen an inferno so quickly take... Uh, I was like, that dude is made of Duraflame logs. Like, there's no reason (laughs) for that to work. And then rather than stop dropping and rolling like we all know to do, he just falls out of a window into the outside. he, like, shoots backwards. Like a casino is just going to have regular glass on the second floor? And then he falls into a car, and it looks like his head is gone for the rest of the movie. And he's just dead. I'm like, I think it's supposed to be rum in the in the water pistol. Oh, that burns more than tequila, I guess. It, but, well, they make overproof rum. But I'm just like, even if you had like straight Calvados, like it would not have gone up like that. Bob, what's Calvados? Calvados is the is the best thing you can put on your Christmas pudding because when you light it, it goes whoosh <laughs> on your what? Thank you for asking. Right? I was like, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Maybe everyone else does. Is that not a tradition where you light? It's, it's an apple brandy, and it is incredibly flammable. But even that, if you shot like a water pistol's amount at a lighter, it would not have set a whole person on fire. Yeah. All right, guys, let's do Ebert or Mebert, please. Okay, this, go read this review. It is perfect. It is, it has so many amazing observations. The oh, reason I, I thought about it is that he says that the casino looks like it's a former target. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and like, I, you can't unsee that. But here, here's the one that I won't tell you if Roger Ebert wrote it or if I did, and everyone here will have to guess. Okay. Theron's character looks soft and sweet sometimes, then hard and cruel other times. Switching back and forth so often, I commend her for not just passing a hand up and down in front of her face. Smile, <laughs> frown, smile, frown. I hope that's Roger Ebert, so I'm going to say Ebert. Same. Uh, Ebert. You know what? Since everyone else went Ebert, I'll go Mebert. Thank you. I'm not that funny. It was Roger. <laughs> awesome. I gotta read that review. priceless. And so another thing he says is, there are other surprises, each with its explanation, usually accompanied by an explanation of the previous explanation, which now has to be re-explained in light of the new explanation. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. That's what that movie is. Is yeah. this a review that's in his book about terrible movies? It's He gives it one and a half stars. So okay. I think it probably just ekes out of, I hate, hate, hated this movie territory. Okay. Because like, it's not the worst movie ever. It's just bad. It's not the worst movie ever. Yeah. There's been plenty of worst movies yeah. that I we've mean, watched. I've seen 15 minutes, so. Agreed. Yeah, 15 minutes is probably worse than this movie. Okay, so who in this movie would you cast Keanu as? Guys, I know I'm boring, but the obvious answer is Ben Affleck. Yep. Oh, God. Ben yeah. Affleck is so charmless, and, and I eventually... Formless. 
Like, I have over the years, I think he's become much better at acting. Yes. He's much more handsome than he was back then. And, and I really like some of the movies that he's directed. So I have more affection for him now than I did in, in 2000, which was zero. But all that being said, he's just not good and he he's not engaging or charming in any way and so he's like the biggest casting flaw and it also seems like a role that Keanu would be good in so it's again the obvious but correct answer yeah all of his one-liners fall completely flat none of them land at all like the whole thing of like when he gets the darts thrown at him and he's like they had a few points to make like doesn't like which should be a great line it should be funny does not come off well when he says it and the whole thing of like when they're like, okay, now you're going to draw as a map. And he goes, he starts just saying, I have no gifts to give, give, bum bum bum. And you're like, again, that should be funny. But when he does it, it's not, it doesn't work. Uh, so like everything about him is bad. Uh, Honestly, until you said it, I didn't understand that either of those long lines were jokes. Oh yeah. They were supposed to be Exactly. Fun. Oh man. Um, but, uh, what I will say is that he is basically the same character as he is in Armageddon in this. And I love the movie Armageddon. He's better in Armageddon too, which not saying much, but right. But I'm like, but it, this it, this needs like someone who is like charmingly cocky, and yeah. Keanu can pull that off. See, from okay, so you're right. He should take the Rudy role just to get Ben Affleck out of this movie. If I could cast somebody else as Ben Affleck, somebody better, yeah. my preference would actually have Keanu play the Gary Sinise role. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Now. I can't actually do that because I really want to recast Ben Affleck. And <laughs> right. the correct answer is to do Keanu. But if I you cast somebody better in that role... What if you bump Gary Sinise? Because then you're not double doing double recasting. You're just making Gary Sinise if, be Ben Affleck. All right. If you put <laughs> Keanu in Gary Sinise's role and Ben Affleck fell ill mysteriously, who would play Ben Affleck's character? Uh, I mean, I think an easy answer could be like DiCaprio. Okay, cool. Yeah, that would um, be a great movie. Yeah. And then I would be DiCaprio as Rudy and uh, Keanu as the Gary Sinise role. I'm, that would be a much better movie. Yes. I think I would replace him with Nathan Fillion. Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. He would be great. Early days Nathan Fillion or yeah, like fire version? Yeah, Firefly, puffy. Firefly version of Nathan Fillion. You got really puffy in cast. He's allowed <laughs> to get puffy. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. He still looks good. Yeah. Well, I'm just asking which iteration. <laughs> that was not a pejorative puffy. Yeah, 2000s era Nathan Fillion. For me, I would like to cast Keanu as the casino manager because I think... Dennis Farina? Yeah. I oh. think watching Keanu be like, I got three Russian ladies coming in and they can juggle anything. Also director's cut. Would be Oh. They all look like Meryl Streep. Is that what he says? <laughs> yes! Oh. One of the best moments of the film. Oh, I think that would be very funny. And uh, him coming out of the powwow safe and giving you a glimmer of John Wick. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just, just okay. thumbs up a million times. I just will always love Dennis Farina because I love the movie Midnight Run so much. Oh, yeah. And such a great movie. Right? Thank you. That movie's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. So I don't want him. I want more Dennis Farina. Always a good thing. Yeah. That, that's true. I thought that he was great in this. Yeah. I just think that I don't want him to play Ben Affleck because I don't like that character yeah. at all. Like, I do think it's a shitty thing to do to pretend to be your friend to have oh, sex 100%. with someone. So I don't really want that for him. I also think that the villain role is just unconvincing and terrible, so I don't really want him to take the Gary Sinise role. And all of the henchmen are interchangeable and forgettable other than the second Christmas line. So I felt like that was the only I other I think Donald Loeb person. also has some good lines. What about Nick? Keanu could play Nick. I was thinking that too. I mean, yeah, of course he should be, one. he should be Rudy, but I mean, I, I would cast him in Nick over Monster Gabriel. <laughs> Monster <laughs> Gabriel. I mean, it does, I guess, ruin the twist if Keanu Reeves is the guy that comes back at the end. I mean, it kind of, of course he comes back if it's Keanu Reeves. But I guess you could take it as like a scream Drew Barrymore kind of thing too. Like, oh wow, he's supposed to be in it, but they kill him off in the first scene. Like yeah. Seagal and Executive Decision as well. Yeah, like Frank Potente yeah. and Jason Bourne too. Regina is never going to get over that. I am still <laughs> upset about it. I don't even want to talk about How it. How dare <laughs> they advertise it that way? Anyway, so that's Keanu. Alright. So guys, before we get to our rankings, we have a very special moment because it's our holiday episode. Bob Shields and I, Robin... We got you a special gift that we would love for you to open on microphone in studio. I also got you a special gift, which I would like you to open on microphone in studio. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is going on my desk at work and it's going to confuse people. 
It is a, a photo block of the Photoshop that I made with Bob's help of Keanu Reeves as Thomas Jefferson at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> so, listeners, uh, we chose this for Robin because uh, A, it is hilarious, and B, she loves America. And I so do. I think everyone who sees this is going to be like, oh, of course Robin would have the signing of the Declaration And on then they'll look at it but more <laughs> I love it so much. Thank you so much. You wow. are okay. welcome. Here's, That's amazing. Here's That's your awesome. present. Oh, wrapped and everything. Do you want to? All right. Wait, <laughs> so, because we live in 2017, none of our devices, our computers, even our desktop computer, has a DVD drive. <laughs> so we cannot watch the DVDs that Robin buys, and we cannot. She cannot lend them to us. So she has bought us a USB DVD drive. <laughs> They're which, really cheap now. <laughs> I imagine you spent a whopping nine dollars on it. No, it's like fifteen or something. But uh, so thank yeah, you because I, I was thinking of buying one for this very reason. Oh, I thought you guys needed it. This is true. We yes, do. they're used, so cheap now. I used to have one and lost it in the move when we moved to Pittsburgh. Also, I have kept my Mash DVDs on the belief that at some point I'd be able to watch them again, and now you can. Now we can. We have not had a DVD drive in five years. I also appreciate you got us a nice brushed metal one to go with the iMac as well. Well, very... that was, I think, $2 more. Ooh. And it seemed worth it. And I also spent $2 on the protection plan. Ooh! <laughs> so if it breaks, I have an email for you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you're very welcome. Merry Christmas. Aww. All right, All right, so we have one more segment, which is to rank this movie. We do. And I'm happy to start. Okay. We recently discussed, hopefully this is going to make it into our episode, how this movie is better than 15 minutes. And that is literally what I thought when I went <laughs> into the rankings. I said, okay, where's 15 minutes? I have it uh, just above 15 minutes, so just below the burning plane. And is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I thought for like two seconds that maybe I liked this more than the burning plane. And then I was like, I definitely, no, 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 no. So I think that this is my new threshold for movies that are worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Everything below it is just like this movie is awful. Avoid. Yeah. Well, this is really hard because recording this episode super fun. Oh yeah. And so that's gonna that's trying to skew me in a direction. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hold firm and rank this relatively low because it is terrible. Uh, it is above 15 minutes. Obviously, almost everything is in my list. I am gonna put it. This is really hard. I'm gonna put it. Above head in the clouds, and I'm not happy about that. Oh my god. Because I normally rank things based on how good Charlize is in them. So I think that she does a better performance in this movie than she does in Head in the Clouds, but I do think Head in the Clouds is a better movie than this. So for me, this is below Trapped, because at least that taught you that uh, Cassie can save your life, (laughs) and above head in the clouds. So, <laughs> Brad is very delighted by this. Oh. Robin had an asthma attack, and she learned from Dakota Fanning that if you drink coffee, it'll it could open your airways. Is that true? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so it's educational. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that bumps it up. Dakota Fanning taught you that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen the film Trapped, starring Charlize Theron and Dakota Fanning? Is that and also Stuart? Kevin Bacon. Yes. Uh, yes. Stuart Townsend, yeah. too? Yeah. Okay, so I am putting mine. When you said this is your threshold for movies that are worthless, I think mine is around about the same level. I'm putting mine one place below Eon Flux. Because Eon Flux, I it's think... It's not completely worthless. It's not completely worthless. I mean, it's bad. If you look but... at my list, it, you might be surprised <laughs> at how high it is. <laughs> but uh, I, I would at least... I, I enjoy watching Eon Flux. I kind of enjoyed watching this. It's so ridiculous and stupid that I, I laughed out loud at the movie occasionally because of just how ridiculous it is. <laughs> and it's also so it's, it's also one above the burning plane because that movie had, n- had no enjoyment whatsoever out of watching it. Unless you're me. <laughs> Unless you're you. But yeah, so this is like, I would maybe try to veto this if someone else wanted to watch it in a group. That is my threshold for this. I think the only way that I would possibly rewatch this movie is in a holiday drinking game scenario with a lot of people. That sounds fun. Hmm. I feel like if we were all watching this together and making fun of it live, right. we yeah, would like, have a good time. Drink on every like cheesy line or something. Right. Yeah. Every cliche. You gotta stand up and steal this drink. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so I think that covers all of our segments. Yes. I think so. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much to our guests, Studio and Satellite Provided, Brad Davis and Chris Maxwell. Thanks for doing this. It was our pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I had a good time. And if you want to hear the rest of this episode, please tune in to High on Films episode, which is going to drop on Monday, on Christmas Day, and you'll hear all of their segments. And where can people find High on Film? High on Film on Twitter, on Instagram. And where can they find you guys, individually? I'm at Cross Maxwell, across your social media platforms. That's Chris with an O in place of the I. Uh, and you can find me at BDAlwaysGP on Twitter and Instagram. And you should, because they're great. They are. Yeah. And definitely listen to their podcast. It's awesome. Super fun. Can't recommend it enough. Original inspiration. That is true. Yep. We've all been on it as well. It's true. Yeah, you can listen to Bob Shields and I talk about Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And I talk about Independence Day live with Mike Rubina. We only talk about days together. (laughs) Our our only live episode. Robin Hitchcock was one of our guests. It was a true thrill. So anyway, thank you to Alex Reed for our theme song. Today and always. We're going to be taking a break uh, until the middle of January so that we can do holidays and then breathe a little bit because it's been a rough December. So we'll be back in the middle of January with more Charlize goodness. So most importantly, we would like to say Thank you, Charlize! Hello. Say hello, Chris. Hello. How are you guys doing? Chris. Okay. Yes, I, I'm, I'm answering. <laughs> hello, guys. Chris, you cut out. Can you hear me? We now we can. Now. Yeah, now we can. Max, you still there? Um, you're a little bit choppy. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. there we go. Guys, it's like oh. we're in that commercial from Verizon. Remember when that guy defected to Sprint? That oh, was so exciting. What a traitor. Hope you all have wonderful holidays. Are you guys gone? Hello? Uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> no, 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 okay, no worries. I just sat and I was like, oh shit, did I lose him? All right, guys, we love you. Goodbye.